Good morning, everyone. We want to welcome you to Sunday service, all of our guests and visitors, those who are here for the first time, and special congratulations to those who took Korea initiation last night for the first time. So this is Palm Sunday, and we have a special reading for Palm Sunday from Rays of the One Light, which is weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita written by Swami Kriyananda. Who is this son of man? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. On Palm Sunday, the throng joyfully acclaimed Jesus Christ as he entered Jerusalem, casting palm fronds before him and singing, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord bless the King of Israel, John 12, 13. Jesus Christ had told the people, the Son of Man must be lifted up. His reference, so we are told, was to the mode of his impending crucifixion. Some persons on that occasion had asked, who is this Son of Man? Was Jesus a human being merely? Those who on Palm Sunday called him king little realized the actual nature of his kingdom. He was far more than what they imagined. Yes, of course, he ate, drank, walked, slept, and talked like others. His consciousness, however, was centered in infinity. Yes, again, he laughed like others, but his laughter expressed divine joy, not mere merriment. Again, he wept like them, but never with human grief. The tears he shed were for the sufferings of unenlightened human beings. Never were they shed in self-pity. Jesus Christ was wakeful in God. Most people, by contrast, are asleep spiritually. How strange to reflect that less than a week from that entry into Jerusalem, so joyfully acclaimed, he would be arrested, condemned, and crucified. Such is the bitter sweetness of human existence. Smiles of welcome one day, insults, even persecution the next. How few realize that Christ's suffering would not be for himself, but for people's ignorance, for those who had not yet understood the deeper reality that dwelt also in them. Everyone is born trailing clouds of glory, as the poet Wordsworth put it. Even the meanest beggar has lived a story or will eventually have lived it more magnificent than the greatest epic ever written. In the Bhagavad Gita, this dichotomy between the Son of Man and the inner Son of God is beautifully described. Sri Krishna, 
representing God in human form, reveals his true nature in infinity. In the 11th chapter of that great scripture, his chief disciple Arjuna exclaims, O infinite light, thy radiance spreading o'er the universe shines into the very darkest abyss. Thy voice o'erwhelms the roar of cosmic cataclysms. Lo, the myriad stars are thy diadem. Thy scepter radiates power everywhere. O immortal Brahman, Lord of all, again and again at thy feet of infinity, I lie in prostration before thee. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning. I'd like also to welcome you to the Palm Sunday service. I'd like to begin with a reading from Whispers from Eternity, Yogananda's mystical love poems to God. O Father, may I behold thee above, beneath, behind, around. Wherever I turn my gaze, train the children of my senses never to stray from thee, who dwellest at the heart of everything. Turn my eyes inward to thy changeless beauty. Attune my ears to silence, that I might hear thy subtlest music. Breathe on me the heavenly scent of thy sacred presence. Orient-wise, I will worship thee, placing the candles of my five senses on the altar of my love. Thus I will contact thee, and the first pale of shafts of dawn, absorb thee in the bright light of noon, expand in thee with the hidden glow of twilight, and merge in thee in the silvery moonlight. Always will I keep a light on my inner altar, the mystic taper of my love for thee. <clears throat> when Jesus was entering Jerusalem, the Jews, they thought that he was going to be the temporal king, but he was Jesus the Christ. And he was offering them and wanted to bring them to the Christ consciousness. What is the Christ consciousness? Well, we uh, will all arrive there someday. Uh, but it's God as uh, unmoving spirit move the waters. And everything in movement has a vibration. And so all of creation... Uh, is vibrating at the very center of each vibration is the stillness of God. And the Christ consciousness is the still reflected consciousness of spirit in every aspect of creation. And so this was Jesus's consciousness. And uh, Yogananda said that uh, in that consciousness, you can feel the bliss in every atom your love go, spreads out through all creation. And this is who Christ was. And this is what Christ felt. And this is why he could go through the drama 
of Palm Sunday and Easter and not be touched uh, by anything. And this is really the lesson uh, that Christ offers us and is held out for us. There's a story uh, about Yogananda. He was once asked to listen to a very famous choir, one of the most famous choirs in the world. And they gave a, a special mini concert just to him. And so he sat and listened to the music. And, uh, and then afterwards, they asked him, well, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? And um, Yogananda said, well, it was okay. He was a little bit noncommittal. And they were surprised because uh, their fame, the squire's fame, was very well uh, earned. And um, they were noted throughout the world. And so they insisted on uh, hearing more about his opinion. And Yogananda realized he had to tell them uh, the truth. And he said, uh, in terms of technique, you sang beautifully. But this music was written for God. And you shouldn't sing to the audience You should sing to God. And St. John of the Cross, he said that we should live in this world like only God and us exist. He meant God and you is uh, (laughs) rather than us, all of us, millions of people. And and this is the way to live because uh, then we don't get confused by the different things that happen to us. Uh, When I came to Anand in my early years, I was oversensitive. Hopefully I'm not as much now, and my feelings would get hurt, and, and then different things would happen, and uh, you would, uh, you, I mean, uh, I would sometimes deal with resentments, uh, and I would hold on to them, and, uh, but when we see only God, and it's just God and me in the universe, what happens? Well, everything comes from God, and everything that comes from God is just an instrument for our karma to come to us. Uh, Swami Kriyananda said that karma is a blessing of divine love because it's to make us strong and to be, uh, not be moved in a, 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 and, you know, by all the events that happen so that we're just anchored in spirit and we don't go out of this, that consciousness of spirit. And this is really, uh, of course, uh, what is held out for us on the path of uh, well, everyone who's on the path to God. Yogananda said that uh, there's a line, and on one side of this line is God, and the other side is Satan. Now, Satan uh, is the, delus- the, the force that keeps things in delusion, that we, we see things in a material way of separation. It's not a, necessarily a little entity with little horns, uh, but it's a consciousness that separates us from God. So on one side of the line is God, the other line uh, is Satan. And he said that we're on the line and God can't touch us. Satan can't touch us until we take a step towards God, then we're influenced by God. If we take a step towards materialism, we're influenced by materialism. Uh, Yogananda, one of his favorite sayings that he often said, was that God chooses those who choose him. And God, he wants us more to come to him more than we want him. And he's, uh, as Yogananda said, God says, I will wait. And he's waited for 
maybe three million, five million incarnations for each soul finally to get the point. The scriptures say one of them, and, and Patanjali is missing the point, uh, where we just we aren't clear in terms of what life is all about. But at a certain point, we gain that clarity, and we really only want God. Uh, Swami, just the last years of his life, he told the story. I think it was, it was maybe it was in South Carolina where he went out on the ocean, and he just felt the expansiveness uh, of the ocean. And the, and the yearning of his heart. And I, I had that same experience at a lake in the high country in the Sierras. And I think we all, we all have had to have that experience uh, where we just give this call to God. Uh, we, we want you. We want to uh, live in the goodness that we always felt was possible in this world. And we, we came in, uh, and uh, there was a, a part of us that know that this is possible. And then we, all of a sudden, we want to, in a sustained way, we want to make that kind of effort. Well, the purpose of the spiritual path is to expand our consciousness. And Yogananda talked about how, as we walk, um, uh, to just feel, see the, the beauty, the essence behind all the flowers, to see the life and the twinkle of every eye, and to feel the heartbeat in all creation, because Christ, he felt himself in every vibrating atom in the universe and in that stillness at the center of that vibration. And so this is a way where we can uh, cultivate that and just uh, feel the love uh, in whoever we see as expressions of God. Meditation is so important uh, as a way to help us to get in touch with that pure consciousness uh, we, uh, we quiet the restlessness, and we, we become uh, more inward, inwardly quiet. Uh, the Bible says, um, you know, uh, be still and know that I am God. And, um, and while we observe the breath, uh, we start to become free, don't we, of body consciousness, of thought consciousness. And Swami Kriyananda said in the pauses, between the breath lies the Christ consciousness. And we experience a little bit of stillness. And all we have to do is to go more and more into that stillness. And the beauty, if we all have felt that stillness, haven't we? That it's very vibrant and very enticing. And it really calls to our soul and really leads us deeper and deeper. And the whole spiritual path is learning to let go of that restlessness and go into that spirit, uh, uh, that stillness. Uh, there's a, a, a story of a, a physician. Actually, first, uh, before I tell the story, uh, Swami once mentioned in uh, Revelations for Christ how Aristotle, uh, he said that the air we breathe, you can't see it, so it's nothing. It doesn't exist. And so people that have more of a material view uh, of life, they say, well, I can't see God. So he can't exist. Uh, well, there was a, a, a physician who had this kind of mindset. And he um, wanted to talk to a saint and twist his ear and say, uh, not, not many people think about twisting a saint's ear, uh, but he wanted to convince him that this world is real and God is unreal. And as soon as he had that thought, a disciple of that saint came up to him and he said, uh, 
uh, I want to talk to the man who wants to twist the ear of my uh, guru and uh, teach him that uh, God is unreal. And he looked <laughs> at this disciple and, and, and he said, uh, may I please come and see your master? <laughs> and he was very remorseful. And he said, um, uh, uh, can I um, speak to the same God or can I see the same God that speaks to you? And he said, yes, you can. Uh, if you pray day and night and just always bring your mind back uh, to God. And he will come to you. He says, but the mind is very, very restless. And he said, well, God will give you the power to know him. It won't be by your efforts, but it will be by his grace. I, um, I was uh, going through a period, a, a time where I had uh, pneumonia. And uh, I wasn't able to meditate uh, very well and, and sitting up. And I'd, somehow I'd had communication uh, with uh, Swamiji, uh, Swami Kriyananda. And so he sort of, I was in his aura. Uh, and um, I went to meditate. And uh, I, I just laid down on my bed and I put my little headphones on. And I was going to try to meditate as long as I could. And which I didn't think was going to be very long. But I meditated for three hours. Um, and it wasn't, we never can do anything ourselves, but it, I was carried by his consciousness, his, his love. Uh, Paramahansa Yogananda said that whenever we pray and meditate, we should think of the great ones, and we'll feel a great reinforcement of power, their power backing our efforts. And so we don't have to climb the mountain ourselves. We just have to see the mountain and start heading in that direction, and we will get there. Uh, we'll have all the help uh, that we need. When I was a, a, a little boy, uh, as most little boys, many, uh, uh, they loved to fish. And I somehow I was just fascinated uh, about uh, fishing and fly fishing. And I found that in a garage sales, you could get like stacks of magazines like Fields and Stream. And I just, just lived in the world of the big fish. <laughs> and... Um, I, would, I practiced casting and fly uh, fishing, and my uncle, who was an expert fly fisherman, he arranged a trip up in the uh, Sarah Buttes area along the Yuba with a very famous and renowned fly fisherman. And uh, he took me out, and I was, I think, 11, uh, maybe 10 at that age. And, and I saw the water, and I had my pole, and I was going to charge into the river and just right away, and he kind of held me back, and he said, Let's just stop above the river and watch the river and see what the fish are uh, feeding on today. And so I kind of calmed my impulse down and <laughs> I looked and all of a sudden I could start seeing the fish. It was kind of quiet and they would come to the surface and, uh, and then he, he knew the different insects and I learned so much about fish. And I, I tell that story, not that I became a great fisherman, I'm a vegetarian like all of you. <laughs> But uh, if God would cater to a young boy's fascination to go fishing and give him a master, just think of the mature desire of the devotee who after many incarnations wakes up and says, I want to fish for you, God. I want to merge with you. Well, isn't he going to come to you? 
and is it in a much greater way? And, uh, and he has done that, uh, hasn't, it? hasn't he, in all our lives. He's brought us to this path, or maybe we have another path, and uh, given us uh, ways to really find him. And we found our whole life accelerated uh, in going towards God uh, because of that power and that grace. All we have to do is show the interest. And the more that we can show that interest in a steady, sustained way, it will build a magnetism. And God will, it's God who is pulling us towards him. And the more that we feel his joy, and the more that we feel that bliss. You know, I was thinking about renunciation as a quality, and uh, how the saints are, um, um, from the outside you could say, they're, they're very fanatical because they're ready to set everything aside. Uh, and they do. Uh, and it's only God. But, but isn't it true? You know, after we've had a seclusion, uh, a deep meditation, uh, we just feel the joy of God. And we just only want that. Nothing else matters. Uh, but just that joy of spirit. And that's what leads us. Uh, it's, it's not anything we manufacture but it's really the taste of the divine uh, that really is calling us and leads us to, uh, to God. In Swami's uh, book, um, let's see, The Expanded Rays of the Same Light, The Promise of Mortality, uh, for this reading, he talked about how Christ, he was unmoved by praise, blame, um, uh, just celebration, everything. He just was just neutral to it because he was just in the divine self. And that's just the, the way life is. Uh, where, uh, because we're all in duality, um, Swami was talking about emotion, uh, feeling is pure, uh, it's how we perceive things clearly through uh, feeling. But any feeling that becomes outward becomes emotion. And people are just caught in the extremes of emotion. And, you know, in this uh, change of Dwapara Yuga, uh, into Dwapara Yuga, as a, uh, coming from Kala Yuga, there's just a lot of opinions uh, and divisiveness. And it's just what's uh, going on in, the, in this world. Um, I had a kind of a, an experience uh, of this uh, shortly after, uh, in, the, in the 1980s and 90s, uh, sharing nature, my uh, sharing nature books came, became very, very popular. And um, uh, by, uh, among the, the Christians, they called it their nature Bible. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, uh, and then I, um, uh, Swami Kriyananda, he, he told me that um, he'd seen this Christian newsletter where they called Joseph Cornell, that's my English name, uh, the, uh, an, an antichrist. <laughs> and uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't used to being called the antichrist. <laughs> And it little, shook me a little bit. And then uh, I found another book uh, that was published that was under the spell of Mother Earth and where uh, I was denounced more than any other environmentalist in the United States uh, for being a pagan uh, and a, a, a goddess worshiper uh, and that I was a, a yogi and, uh, 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 and part of Ananda. And that, that was a little bit unsettling too to me. Uh, but Swami, uh, sort of sensing that, he said that whenever you become visible 
and you try to do a good thing, uh, you're going to attract opposition. Uh, and he said, uh, until you attract opposition, you haven't really arrived. <laughs> and, uh, and that's really true. Uh, and, uh, but, but that opposition really helps us to hold the line to what our beliefs are and to really hold on to God. And, and no matter what is going on, uh, in the, there's a wonderful uh, museum uh, built in Springfield, Illinois, uh, the Lincoln Museum. And uh, as you know, uh, Lincoln, uh, he was uh, uh, chosen president during real tumultuous times. And it was during the Civil War, and everybody had a different opinion on how life should be. And uh, Lincoln, um, he was just trying to hold the country together. And uh, at the museum, they created what was called a whispering gallery. And you, uh, towards the very end of the museum, you came through this tunnel, a uh, hallway, rather. It was crooked, and it was a little bit dark. And all these political uh, cartoons uh, were along the side, uh, newspaper headlines, articles, and voices speaking all lambasting Lincoln and just calling him just the vilest things. And they were shouting, uh, and you walked through, and you could just hear all this. It was just uh, really amazing that you know, he was able to withstand that. And he said that he did because he always kept a larger perspective of what he was trying to do. Uh, and then you finished through that hallway, and then you came out to his bedroom where, after he was assassinated, uh, where his body lay in state. And that's when Lincoln was celebrated, uh, not before then. And I, it was very, very poignant uh, because, you know, I was just thought about how sometimes we get our feelings hurt <laughs> or, or some, a small little thing like that. And, uh, but it, it's, we, there's much, much more is needed uh, to just really be anchored in ourself and not touched, touched by anything. Yogananda said that um, at home his um, discipline uh, by his father was strict and uh, uh, by his brother it was severe and his training in his guru's ashram was drastic. <laughs> And uh, Sri Teshwar, Yogananda's guru, knew that Yogananda was going uh, into the West where the carping spirit um, was in full force. And, uh, and, and Yogananda was different, dressed different, uh, and he really met uh, uh, a lot of prejudice and a lot of contentiousness in America. Uh, he, um, he wore his uh, silk robes uh, and... Uh, because, uh, you know, because in America people used people dressed up, but he wore those silk robes in India, and they thought he was dressing too fine. <laughs> he should wear cotton robes. Everybody has an opinion about everything in life. And uh, uh, Yogananda, when he was uh, with Sri Teshwar, there was a big celebration. And as he got up to, to speak, he uh, overturned the carpet just by a little bit. And Sri Teshwar said, look at that oaf. And everybody, hundreds of people just laughed. But Yogananda knew what was going on. 
uh, and, um, and, and he, uh, he knew that Sheikh Teshwar was training him. And I'd like to read uh, a little bit at the very end after actually Sheikh Teshwar transitioned his body and uh, he came back uh, to, um, uh, to Yogananda, uh, appeared, uh, uh, and, uh, and Yogananda, uh, or Sheikh Teshwar said to Yogananda, I shall scold you no more. And uh, Yogananda always liked being scolded by Sheikh Teshwar. And he said that each chastisement of my guru had been a guardian angel of protection. Because where, where was that protection? Because it, it just drew him inside to where his real reality was and where he wasn't touched. I was meditating this morning and I have a window uh, and there was a big tall turkey walking along and he heard something. All of a sudden he puffed his feathers out and he was just boom! <laughs> and he was just, just touched, uh, touched off by just the slightest little thing. And isn't that what happens to the ego? Uh, <laughs> he did a strut around. <laughs> That's what happens to us if we aren't careful. Fearlessness comes from total detachment. We don't have anything to fend when we're detached and when we see only God. In the Naya Swami order, um, one of the marks of renunciate, uh, he talks about how renunciate never seeks to justify or defend oneself because they don't have anything to defend. Uh, we were having breakfast with Swami in India um, before we went to America some years ago. And Swami was telling about being at a, a, a place where he gave a speech and there was some contention going on by a spiritual group that had tried to uh, damn down our efforts uh, as an understatement for <laughs> what had happened. And they were over in India too. And uh, Swami said, it could have been an uncomfortable situation, but I don't exist as a separate reality. And so there wasn't a problem. And so that's what we want to more and more in ourselves. Just, it's just God and us. God and us, and then until finally, it's just God. That's where we want to get to. Yogananda said the fast and sure way of developing fearlessness is to love God, and then we'll feel a greater power beyond ourself. And we know that we won't be touched by anything. And if we meditate, we'll have a growing sense of that where we really touch the divine, and more and more our soul is, remembers what our reality is. And we become, we become that reality by dwelling on the light, our consciousness becomes light. By going into Om, our consciousness expands with Om throughout all creation. And so this is the path that we have before us. And so let's not sidetrack, let's make sure to stay on the left side of the line, which is where God is. And let's just live this life as just God and us. And of course, we love everyone else as a child of God. Uh, only then can we really love people. So of course, we include the realities of everything around us. But the more and more 
that we're just anchored in God, we'll see only God, and we'll feel the incredible joy, the light, and the expansiveness of life. Bless you all.